Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today, we're talking about the value of entrepreneurship, and we are joined by founder and CEO of Anna, Matt Frost. Matt, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you to you and Bob for having me on today. really do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And before we jump into this, uh, this great topic, wouldn't you tell us a little bit about your journey before entering the cannabis industry and then ultimately what drove you to create Anna? Sure. So spent close to 10 years in the healthcare data analytics, data science space, working for big hospital systems on the operations side. Um, you know, I've Born and born and bred in Boston, Mass. If you couldn't tell by the uh, by the accent a little bit, but um, you know, I was you know work you know close to a decade working in this corporate space. Um, it was about I was actually one semester shy, five courses shy of uh, completing my MBA at Boston University. And um, not that I I caught the bug because I actually believe I always had the entre- entrepreneurial bug, but um, you know, I just this idea sort of came over me and it got to a really got to a point where um, you know, I, I, I left my job that I was at um, my MBA I put on pause because I, you know, it's, I wouldn't be able to give everyone the, the fair amount of attention that they would you know, that they would need in group work and so on and so forth but it's really just the opportunity that you know compelled me here and it actually was a offshoot of one of our um, one of my final classes at Boston University on uh, operations management, queuing theory, really. Um, and it just, you know, to look at these dispensary um, you know, workflows and how the customers flow through some of these dispensaries, and this is going back three or four years, and I saw there was such opportunity for, for improvement, and um, I tried to actually interview and, and do a case study with a local dispensary, and um, was promptly escorted out of the door and told that the how long that we wait in line is proprietary information. And I don't know if folks are um, familiar with the show Curb Your Enthusiasm at all, but I almost uh, part of this almost started as like a the fight store, and I was you know <laughs> how how can they tell me that I can't do this? And I just and it really just it made me put an extra you know sort of fine tooth comb and put my eyes on. You know, retail automation is everywhere. Why isn't it here? It's not that it's impossible. Um, let's figure this out. And it just sort of snowballed into this big opportunity and big, you know, just something I became so passionate about and something, something I spent almost three years now full time, um, really just bringing to, bringing to the forefront of the industry. Matt, tell us a little bit about Anna in terms of uh, what, what you do, uh, what, 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 brought it into reality? Sure. So Anna's a high-compliance, AI-powered self-checkout uh, solution for cannabis, both for the THC and CBD world. Um, there's really two big opportunities when you look at the THC side of things within dispensaries. Um, you're talking about the you know expanding the capacity of an existing store, having a faster throughput, um, having uh, bartenders be able to work with multiple customers at a single time. 
there's also the ability to, um, you know, be able to better staff your stores and not have to, you know, if there's rushes during five to seven every day or only on Saturdays, you know, owners don't have to staff up, you know, full staff. They can have the, you know, the helpfulness of automation uh, in their stores to help bring it together. No, it's certainly a, a useful tool and a useful asset. And I'd like to come back to, uh, to the AI component of it, but I want to ask you a question first. Who would you say is Boston University's most notable alumnus? Because I have in my mind who I think it is, and it's not obvious to most people out there. Well, if you're a hockey guy like myself, I mean, in you know recency effects, you know, get some Charlie McAvoy, um, uh, you know, folks there. Um, you know, there's a lot. Um, I, I'll, you'll know if you ask me for any references or anything of the sort. My mind generally goes towards the sports direction. Part of it is just because of my passion, but also, you know, right through my, my adolescence and into my adulthood, 20 years of, uh, of championships and winning in the Boston area, gets to put a little bit of uh, smugness to it to us sometimes. Well, it's, it's no doubt that, uh, that Bostonians are, are, are wicked, fierce sports fans. So uh, I was going to say Howard Stern, by the way. A lot of people don't know that Howard Stern is a Boston U grad um, and, you know, certainly a Radio Hall of Famer and probably one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. But at the end of the day, um, when you talk about integrating technology into that process, um, what was it about that initial um, uh interaction that you had where you described, you know, that's proprietary, the waiting time information, et cetera, that led you to believe that technology and professionalization could help this industry. So I look at this industry and I just, I think water will find its level. Things will normalize and this will be, the cannabis will be just like any other industry. in, in my opinion, it's, it's going to need the same support services, the same infrastructure, everything that we need, you know, and, you know, we don't always have to reinvent the wheel to sort of get there. I feel like in our situation, you know, in some cases we, we had to, um, but it's, I always tell people and, and often when they're going doing the, the pitch circuits that you know, automation is going to make it into, into cannabis retail. It's just a matter of who's going to do it. And, you know, I, we bet on us and we come this far and that's, that's really, you know, I just look at the trends of every, every other industry and, Retail automation is going to make its way. Smart systems, you know, smart hardware, software, all of this, you know, AI, you name it. Throw out any buzzword possible. Um, it, it's all going to infiltrate and find its place into cannabis. And that's really why I love it. I mean, you know, aside from, from any other thing, it's just it's an opportunity to build something and, and build it and, and do something that you're passionate about and be able to create. And I think that and there's still so much space but it's if you want to put the time in you put the work in and you, you surround yourself with the right people um there's just there's really nothing you can't do right now in, in this in this space well I, I like the way you described that yeah you were going to bet on bet on us meaning bet on yourself and your team and i think that's a, a key component to any entrepreneur but you know going back to the theme of the show the value of entrepreneurship um let's talk a little bit about that what is it that drives in your opinion entrepreneurs is it blind ambition is it um opportunity is it something else i i would suggest or i would say in my mind also someone who who's very active in in sports and and sort of a uh, uh, a veteran athlete myself um winning is what drives me uh, i do what i do because i want to win 
Um, not at all cost based on principles, but I just want to win. And if I don't go out and try to win that thing, whatever that thing is, uh, the opportunity, the the business uh, relationship, um, the being able to deliver something for a particular client, somebody else is going to do that, and then they win. And that's not how I'm cut out. That's not the cloth I was cut from. Uh, what is it that you, th- what, is, what drives you and what drives most entrepreneurs in your mind? And so it, it's funny that you mentioned that Bob about sort of it's the competition and, and looking around and you want to win whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I've always, if, if I'm going to take the time, energy, effort you know, to, to invest into something, I'm never, you know, pardon my French, I'm never going to half ass it. I'm going to actually go in there with my everything, but I have a, a slightly different approach here. You know, I always make the analogy about horses in the races wearing blinders. Um, I so often, I, I don't like to, I'd rather peg myself against my own standards and holding myself to a, to a sort of a higher place than, than maybe those around me or the competitors or what have you. And I think that's really what has been my driver is that I've have a very, um, high tolerance for satisfaction and it's it's always i'm never satisfied with even a great job um i'm i'm hard on myself i'm hard on the people i care about um but i think it's just that it's sort of this insatiable thing where you know i want to there's just i want to be able to create and i want to be able to put out great work that i'm proud of and there's never really a moment where i stop look around and like all right great i did it i'm done or oh this was too difficult i guess i'll turn around it just to, to me, it's always just been about that and the ability to just, you know, I've read, read enough books in my time to, to probably pinpoint why exactly and what happened and throughout my life what makes me this way. But to me, it's just a matter of um, I hold myself to a higher standard than I think I would ever dream of holding anyone else to. And I push myself in that in that regard. No, that's, that's certainly uh, very wise and, and certainly something that, that we see as a characteristic. I, th- I think it was said, uh, if you're not first, you're last, uh, or uh, second, <laughs> sec- second place is just the first loser. But at, 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 at the end of the day, you know, it, it is that. It, it's, you've got to lose, though. You've got to lose or you don't learn anything. And you, you've got to make mistakes. You've got to have egg on your face. You've got to um, go through challenging times if you're going to succeed. Um, I find it hard to believe that any entrepreneur just has a smooth path where everything goes their way and that they're any good except perhaps by by a stroke of luck because if you're not making some mistakes, you're not learning. Um, What's your perspective on that? How do you evaluate uh, that learning element and how big of mistakes can we make and call it a learning experience versus just a a royal (laughs) F-up? So... You know, I, I think about this a lot, and part of what what I what I try to you know instill in in our team, we're a, a small team, you know, but we're a bunch of really hard workers. Which I'll tell you, you can teach someone the cannabis industry, you can mentor somebody, you can you know get the internal operations working in, in a certain way, but you can't teach drive and work ethic. And if you've got someone that maybe doesn't know the the industry or know the you know the vernacular or anything of the sort. But you see that work ethic, you see that drive, you see, you know, there's, they want to put great work together. Um, you hold on to that person, you, you cultivate the, you know, a great relationship, you train that person, you, uh, you, you invest into that person is really what it comes down to. You know, I, there's, there's so much that I, I have 
done in the early stages, especially at this company, um, where it, from after leaving my job, it became studying regulations, writing the first provisional patent, um, writing, you know, writing the prototype, actually putting the code together, architecting it, writing the code, um, applying for, um, you know, venture capital. And I look at it and sometimes I look back and I say, well, maybe if you had subbed some of this out or you brought other people around to support, you know, you'd be able to move a little bit faster and you wouldn't have, you know, fall on your face so many times, which is unfortunately how my entire life I've decided to learn. But I really, I, I don't like to ask anyone on the team to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, that's not to say that I should be the one going out and doing everything, but I think it's just, it's fair. To, I mean, and then people really respond to it when you have a team of five, six people and they see that you're rolling up your hands and you're doing, you're rolling up your sleeves rather and you're doing whatever it takes to get the job done. I mean, five courses short of an MBA and I'm, you know, I actually just thought this is where I first met you, where at the ArcView New York City um, investor presentation back in October. And, you know, we weren't, you know, nor are we now rolling in it, quote unquote. And uh, that machine got delivered for our demo. Um, I took off my, my nice slacks, my, uh, my, my blazer, and I pushed an 800-pound machine up the ramp into the elevator, unloaded it. And it's just, I think when people see that and they, they understand how much goes into it and you can never, I could never fairly ask anyone that I, that I work with or that's in sort of our circle to, to, to do, to put up, you know, to, to put the effort out there that I do because I'm in a lot of ways psychotic when it comes to it. But I think people want to see that you're passionate. And I think it, it really, if you find the right people, you surround yourself with the right people, that's, that really shows and they, they respond to it. Well, I'm going to dive deeper into the sports theme, Eric, and that is, you know, the idea of not asking people to do something that you wouldn't do yourself is is a prominent theme in the ESPN series, The Last Dance. Michael Jordan, uh, you know, while perceived by teammates to be extraordinarily difficult, um, he would never ask anybody to do something he wouldn't do himself, and I think that's a, that's a quality of a leader, which you have to be if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Well, Matt, that was a it was a phenomenal answer, and your passion for your your business and for your employees really shines through. And I really I like the idea of investing in someone, even if they don't have all of the knowledge right there, but seeing that potential and cultivating it. And and kind of on that note, uh, I want to talk about your experience being a part of Canopy Boulder because we had Patrick Ray on uh, just a couple weeks ago, and we we talked about mentorship. And how important it is for young entrepreneurs uh, like your like yourself to be in a network like Canopy Boulder, where you can uh, you can get insight and uh, I don't know maybe prevent some of the falling on your face that uh, that we mentioned. But but tell us if you would a little bit about your experience uh, with with them. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Ray, Bob Goodman, the whole team over there, Celia. I mean they. You know, there, I no doubt in my mind that we wouldn't be where we are today without you know their network, without their help, you know everything that went into it. Um, you know, I wasn't initially thrilled about the idea of um, moving away from from Boston, from my home, you know, for five, six months, you know, really potentially longer. Um, you know, but and there was were weighing a couple of different options in terms of venture capital. But I know I told myself that if you, this is the number one 
cannabis business accelerator out there. And if you decide to pass up on it because you don't want to leave home, then you cannot be mad at yourself when you fail. If, and if you fail, but I'll, I'll never say when, never do myself like that, but and it, it sort of put everything into perspective for me. Um, and I went out there, I packed up my Altima, I drove cross country and uh, from day one, I just sort of, and I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm a very friendly person and I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm decent to be around in some certain situations, social situations, but I went in there and I put my head down and I worked because I just, I knew that I just, I'd want, I didn't want to leave anything on the table. And if I left the, you know, if I left Boulder and maybe I didn't advance the business as far as I would have liked, but I made a whole bunch of cool friends in the process. Like that shit's not going to cut it with me. And again, I'm, I'm sorry for cursing. It's just, I, my passion I don't let emotion run my business, but I let passion drive my decisions and drive everything that goes into it. So it's sort of a, you know, a thing I try to instill in people. But to go back to the whole canopy boulder and the entrepreneurship piece, you know, to have that structure, to have that exposure, to be in, you know, working in these networks and to, you know, there's dozens, if not, you know, dozens upon dozens of, of people that we met along the way. And we're just, getting things going we weren't fully, you know, fully operational. We knew where we needed to be, but there was a lot of gaps. Um, those people knew they can, they could see it. They, you know, you might not be ready today, but we're going to see you again in, in a year. We're going to see you in two years. And it's going to be, you know, we know that there's going to be a different story. And I just, cause I think it's just so much persistence too. It's, you're not going to go into a, a four month accelerator car wash and come out a millionaire. Um, you'd love to think that that's how it goes, but you have to, persist through, you know, through the accelerator to follow up on, on every lead that you get, every introduction, you get to hammer it and just hope that you catch the right breaks and you know, hard work meets, meets opportunity and, and, and hopefully sparks fly. But um, that, that network is really, um, it gave us something to sink our teeth into. And from that point, I feel like we never really looked back. You know, Matt, you said something that uh, at the beginning, which is a real theme on the Hoban Minute, which is just that uh, ultimately this industry, we, what we call right now the cannabis industry, it is going to end up uh, becoming and growing towards just being another industry. And the, the kinds of services that you're providing, really bringing that uh, retail and customer experience into the 21st century, it's, it's a very, very important thing. And I just want to touch on uh, before we sign off, you say you said a couple times, and I'm just interested in, especially since we have Bob here, and, and at the end of the day, we are a law firm. But are there some special considerations uh, when I, when you know, when you think about going to the pharmacy and uh, buying some medication? You normally don't get the option of self checkout. So I'm just when you had to dig into all of that uh, regulatory framework as far as actually setting up a self checkout uh, software and system in a dispensary model uh what are some of those special considerations so we you know by early research and i say we at this point in 2017 mostly myself um we read through all of the different state regulations where there was uh, medicinal cannabis where there was recreational cannabis and we found the commonalities and what the fulfillment process needed i'll, I'll bore you know every one of the of all the details but it really just became how do we get the lowest common denominator of how much interaction is legally necessary so that maybe it doesn't, you know, for the experienced consumer, um, someone that wants to get in and out, they already know what they want in advance. 
know, they don't have to take up the time of a bud tender and, you know, to take it away from somebody who does need the assistance and does want to ask questions. Um, you know, that's really the, the, the big piece there. Um, you know, another, another part of it, you know, being opportunistic in, in this space was, you know, we do, we have two sort of business models, right? Where there's, uh, we are putting these units inside of dispensaries, helping facilitate uh, some faster throughput. But we also have our, our CBD leg of the business. Um, you know, we're in some talks right now, actually, uh, going into a joint venture. And we're, you know, to bring in the right contracting and distribution for us. We're actually building this into a, a CBD franchise model um, where we have a turnkey solution for other other entrepreneurs, other business owners to look at this and say, you know, I want to get it. I want a piece of the, the cannabis industry or I want to be able to sink my teeth into it and build an empire. And that's really what we're working on now because for us, we look at CBD and say, there's two things that are, that are, that are necessary in this industry for, for the you know, for things to take off. And it's education and location. Everyone knows of CBD. I think it's two of three, two of every three people know of CBD. They don't really know the specific benefits, what have you. Um, we have so much educational material on our ANA app um, for, for folks to register for and use, research what types of products are out there, um, what benefits there are, what types of applications are, are, can it be used for. And then once someone is well-educated on that, plus the sourcing of it, you know, make, make sure it's not adulterated products, um, the next step is, well, location. Where do we find it? Open the ANA app, see the, um, the map application, and you're able to find the products that now you are well educated enough to, to know, to know what you need and where to find it. So that's really, I mean, we look at both of these, you know, one, one, um, business model had a lot more hurdles and a lot more, you know, pounding our heads to the, to the, to the walls to get it done. And, uh, the CBD one became a very opportunistic thing for us, but we see it as just a way for, other entrepreneurs to get in the mix because there's still so much space here. And it's really what we're passionate about because I want to be on the other end one day and see that drive, see that hustle in somebody and say, that person just needs a break. And once they get that big break, they'll take off. And I, you know, hopefully, you know, God willing, one day I'll be on that side and be able to, to give that break to hopefully lots of people. I think you will, Matt. And, uh, you, uh, you really fostered a lot of great ideas here and, and I think inspired other entrepreneurs. And as you said, there is a lot of real estate in this space still. I know sometimes it can kind of feel like all things have already been invented. Uh, but like you said, let passion drive you. Uh, those are very, very important lessons. Uh, you can learn more about Anna at tryanna.com. And Matt, we thank you so much for coming on the Hobo Minute and uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you both. I really do appreciate it. This is a great stop with you guys. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.